0: Hi, everybody. It's Joel Junker with Cameron Brooks. Thank you again for joining us for another episode of the Cameron Brooks podcast, Above and Beyond. If you've listened to one of these podcasts before or if it's your first time, uh, we appreciate you listening in. Uh, Our goal here is to um, interview uh, alumni of the Cameron Brooks program, former military officers that uh, made the transition to business and are succeeding and developing and growing in their career. We pull out Uh, ideas and lessons learned that they had in their transition, as well as things that they've done in their career to help them uh, be successful. Uh, In this episode, I interview John Tunison. Uh, John is a Cameron Brooks alumnus uh, from 2003, made the transition from being a Navy nuclear uh, power submarine officer into the nuclear, into Shell Oil. made a couple of moves uh, to other companies that are in the oil and gas and chemistry, uh, chemical industries, and now is the CFO of a startup. Uh, John offers excellent advice about self-development. I mean, that's the biggest thing that I took away from this podcast, how important it is to continuously reinvent yourself and not ever think that what got you here will get get you to the next step. So I hope you enjoy. Thank you for listening. And if you want to learn more, I encourage you to visit our website at Cameron Brooks.com. If you are a military officer thinking about making the transition out, check out our book, PCS to Corporate America, on Amazon.com.
1: Hi, John. Thank you for joining us today. I appreciate you having you on. And, um, you know, if we could just take a, a couple minutes and just give the listeners a little bit of a background on you, because it is just a little bit unusual going from political science to nuclear training to finance so walk us through your career sure yeah I always tell
2: people I'm a political scientist turned nuclear engineer turned finance guy who dabbled in everything from consulting to procurement to sales leadership and and everywhere in between Um, so yeah I I went to the Naval Academy I got a degree in political science because I went in planning to be a naval officer for a career unless I ever decided not to, and then I wanted to be prepared for that. So I did political science because I thought it was the closest to a pre-law, pre-business degree I could get. Still glad with that decision. Um, Went into nuclear submarines. My dad was a submariner. I was interested in that. I went to drive submarines, not necessarily be the nuke, but you get all that great tech training, too. Um, And along the way, I decided to get out. Uh, Primary drivers, I just felt like, you know, I was ready for a business career, and I I thought that I could... uh, you know, really do some interesting stuff and go off in different directions. So I chose to leave. I got an MBA before I uh, got out. Didn't finance because, quite frankly, that was the most challenging specialty you could do in an MBA program. And looked at a variety of jobs. Uh, you know, when I went through the, the career conference, it was anything from some sales jobs to some Uh, engineering management, and all kinds of other roles, but I also looked at some analytical roles, kind of finance and business development, and that's actually what ended up uh, being what attracted me. I went to work for Shell. I was the first on-purpose hired JMO to be hired there uh, of now hundreds, uh, which was great. I got a lot of cool opportunities to sort of pave the way and figure some things out. I did finance roles for them for a number of years, and then since then, I've joined a couple of different industries and companies in distribution, chemicals, uh, most recently wastewater treatment where I was the CFO, Uh, and now I'm doing something completely different, and I'm the CFO and COO uh, for a tech startup, a software company uh, operating out of the cloud. And along the way, I've managed procurement, led inside sales, uh, done various system implementations and a lot of other cool stuff.
1: Was very uh, it's directional in one hand um, yet varied in very much uh, in other hands let's go back to this the you wanted to be a naval officer for a career what changed in, for you and when did that change happen when you decided that you wanted to go into the business world
2: yep well I, I would say two things one um, I've, I've been really lucky I've, I've had some great career advice um, going all the way back to you know kind of high school and my decision to go to the Naval Academy. The, the one thing that I would say I never, I, I really didn't get that, that really hurt me was uh, in the nuclear Navy they have a technical rating and that technical rating is very, very heavily weighted towards your degree. So that was the one downside of getting a political science degree, is it didn't matter how well I did at nuclear power school, prototype, uh, operational reactor safeguards exams, and all the stuff that good nukes do, uh, I was always at a disadvantage because of that degree. So I could be, you know, performing better than my fellow Nukes, but yet I'd be rated lower. And then that influences what jobs you're going to get. So as I was looking at department head tours, I was starting to get vibes around, well, you could go be WETS. You could go be NAV. And, you know, if I wanted to make a career out of the Navy, I wanted to command a submarine. Uh, and that probably wouldn't happen very easily if I didn't get the engineer job. So that was one. Uh, the second one... Um, you know, I often found myself feeling that the, the, the job in the military was too programmed for me. Uh, it didn't matter how great I did at my J-O tour, I was going to go do a post-J-O shore tour. And it really didn't matter how great I did there, that was going to lead to a department ed tour, and, and so on and so forth. And then those tours were of relatively fixed lengths. Um, and, you know, I was rated, number one, top 10% every single time in every single job in the Navy. And it just kind of felt like I wasn't going to get rewarded for that in the way that I was looking for. So those two things added up, and there was a whole interesting world in business out there waiting for me, and I just decided to to make that jump.
1: And did you ever, in your first five years out of the the Navy, start wondering if you made the right decision to make the transition to business? Did you ever question that?
2: You know, I I never did. The only time I, I actually... Ever spent any kind of time thinking about it was when I started to see my former classmates in you know, nuclear power school class and, and people like that popping up on LinkedIn, uh, you know, taking over command of submarines. Caused me to think, wow, you know, that could have been me. That would have been interesting too. But uh, you know, no regrets. And certainly during the first five years, no, I can't say that I actually ever regretted leaving. Um, not that the Navy was. I mean, I'm glad I was in the Navy. I had a lot of
1: good experiences
2: and stuff. But I've just had so many cool and and great learning experiences in business.
1: You know, it's just it, the reason why I asked the question is that I do think there's a, a percentage of people. I don't know that it's the majority. That I don't know if it's regret, but they miss certain things about the military yeah. and they look they yeah. they look back and and I asked the question because um, I do know that you know you and, and even I, you put a lot in to become an officer, serve and yeah. and there's that duty to do so and and then get in and, and there's certain things you miss and sometimes as you mentioned it's easy to start comparing yourself to other people. I could have been doing this, sure. I could have been doing that. And that looking backwards in the rearview mirror and comparing, I believe is like one of the things that can derail somebody establishing themselves in the career because I make a decision that's reactive versus looking out front, they're looking in the back, if, if you will.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. In fact, one of the pieces of advice I always give, uh, you know, former military folks that I'm working with and mentoring roles and that I fired and stuff like that is, you know, it's okay in your first couple of years out of the military to still trade on that, if you will, you know, that, that that's my background and I'm important and I'm good because of that. But I think once you get out five years um, you know, if you haven't figured out a way to build your career and become comfortable in your new skin and proud of your new skin and, and excited about your new skin, um, you know, you, you won't truly achieve great things in, in business if, if all you keep referring back to is, well, I used to be in the military. Um, and I think psychologically that also plays into what you're talking about, where, you know, if you're constantly looking in the rearview mirror trying to compare yourself to somebody else it's yeah, I, I, I don't know how that helps you at all so I just never did and I'm glad I didn't And um, you know I've just found plenty of uh, things that I'm good at outside the military and I've worked equally as hard for all of those um, you know on purpose and that's uh, that's kept me from really having any regrets
1: yeah, you know, Roger Cameron was always so concerned about people looking in the rearview mirror, and you know Roger, a lot of people don't know Roger now that are making the transition because mm-hmm. he's, it's been, um, and we're going on uh, seven years now since he's uh, not been out on the road recruiting, meeting with people, but he was so yeah. concerned about that. His was, advice was don't bring any of your military memorabilia in with you to work. Um, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. don't put it on your right. desk, you know, put and you know, be proud of it, but put it someplace else. And Mm -hmm. Um, I thought it was a little over the top, but I think he was just trying to drive a point home is that you got to start building your future in front of you
2: Yeah, yeah, no, that's exactly right. Wise words
1: You uh, mentioned a couple times career advice and things like that that you had good mentors and things And that could take us in a a new direction our conversation here What would you say is the best advice that you ever received in your career? The
2: Best advice that I ever received in my career. I would you know um it was, uh, it was actually one of the senior people I worked with at Shell, and and I mean, it, you know, the, the punchline is life is too short, but what he, what he meant by that is he said he was trying to put in context being in jobs or roles or projects or whatever that you really love or that you don't really love, um, and his advice to me was a lot of people who are career-minded, uh, you know, they're focused on getting to the next level, and so they're, you know, jump on that grenade and you know, let's, let's, let's take the hard ones and, and keep climbing. And there's something to be said about that. You know, I think it applies to do things that others maybe won't uh, and, and gain experiences that way by doing it. But what he focused on was if you find yourself in a situation where you're just super unhappy, uh, whether it's your, your work-life balance is off, you're not interested in the work, um, you know, you're, you're feeling like you're not going to succeed, things like that, Life is too short. Find a way to get out of that situation. Change your situation. That's always a, a really good strategy, and that, that's what I've typically done because I can't just jump out of a job. So, you know, find other things to work on that help round out the job or, you know, find a way to change the project that you're on into an area that you think uh, will be more impactful and things like that. But at the end of the day, don't be afraid to cut date. Um, and and don't stay in a bad situation too long. Because um, that, that will kill your soul, that'll derail a career, and it'll, it'll just, you know, really create problems. Uh, but the other side of it that was he was even more uh, emphatic about was that somewhere along your career, you're going to find yourself in a job where you are firing on all cylinders. You know your job well, and you love it. It's in a location you like. You know, if you have a family, maybe they're super excited about it. And it's just really great. Don't be afraid. To stay in that job an extra year. Don't be so in a hurry to get to the next level because this is by the time you get to the end of the career, uh, you'll probably get to about the same level you would have anyway. And at the end of the day, that extra year or two uh, is, is invaluable. And uh, sometimes in a career, you, you need that. So I, I've tried to follow that advice. And so I've had to make some difficult career decisions, and um, you know, but, but I do it with purpose, um, to make sure that I, I stay positive and I'm moving in the right direction.
1: And it's paid off for me. It, and, uh, so there's really two things that can play off there. You know, the first one, they actually, the easy one is that don't be so career minded that you're constantly looking for that next best thing and you're leaving mm-hmm. and you're jumping from some things, enjoy the life, and enjoy the role and, mm-hmm. um, whether it be the, what's going on personally or professionally. And, you know, uh, there was a, uh, a recruiter uh, from Johnson & Johnson that Roger Cameron Renee Brooks placed back in 1975. His name was Bill. Bill said, you know, your career is a marathon. It's not a sprint.
2: Mm-hmm. And a
1: lot of people keep, just keep trying to sprint, sprint from one mile to the next, and you're just going to wear yourself out doing that. And that really hits that second point. But how would you say, because it's also important that if you're in a role, there's going to be jobs that are difficult and challenging, especially early on. And sometimes I see people mismanage their career early because that first role's not perfect. The boss is not Mm -hmm. perfect. The environment's not perfect. And so they could also, somebody could really twist that first point that you had and say, well, this is not perfect. It's not good. And so I'm going to quit. I mean, I know yeah. you've changed companies and positions recently a couple of times, but you spent a significant amount of time with Shell building that foundation. So, but you're not saying, hey, get in your first job if you don't like it and quit. May, I'm making that assumption. Is that correct?
2: Oh, you know, no, no, by, by no means. You know, In fact, the, the hardest job I had at Shell was uh, actually my middle job. I went over to London as a consultant uh, in a special expat program they had it was specifically where you have to leave your function and your country. uh, Talk about getting outside your comfort zone. Um, Suddenly, I'm in the middle of doing, you know, kind of McKinsey-style, Bain-style consulting projects with huge stakeholders. in a company like Shell, I mean, we're talking people that, you know, in other companies, they they would by themselves be Fortune 50 CEOs. Um, You know, very, very senior, very smart, very experienced people. And suddenly, I've got to be the smart guy consultant. Um, I mean, I I really went through some challenging times um, coming up that learning curve, figuring out how to be a good consultant, how to uh, you know reinvent myself every three months, and figure out how to add value on a project that I maybe didn't know a whole lot about. Uh, there were some some dark days in there where I thought, did I did I screw this up? You know, I was I was doing pretty well back in the U.S. as a as a finance guy in refining, and you know now I'm oh, my God, I'm, I'm in this team of people. Everybody's really, really smart, and, um, you know, it's challenging. Um, but, you know, what? I, I just buckled down because, yeah, that was hard, but that wasn't that, that wasn't a bad kind of situation. That was, you know, hard doesn't mean bad. Uh, hard and challenging can sometimes be very, very, very good. Um, and so, you know, I did what I needed to do. I, I read a lot. I, I did you know, spend some long hours occasionally, uh, but I focused on getting to know people around me and learning uh, who I could go to to help me, and I tried to do my best to, to help them back and develop those kinds of relationships so that, you know, I had a network of people around me that wanted me to be successful, and that's how I got through that challenging time. But, yeah, definitely don't 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 leave just because it got hard. Hard doesn't mean, uh, you know, you should,
1: you should not. Yeah. And and then realize that things aren't perfect either, hard and perfect and and something that's just a disaster is different. You you mentioned reinventing yourself. Um, I recently, and I can't remember who who said this, I I think I heard it on a podcast by Tim Ferriss that he interviewed somebody Mm -hmm. that reinvents himself every six months. I mean, he just, he looks at himself in building blocks of every six months. But what, what, what do you, you said every few months, but what do you, what are the things that you do to reinvent yourself? Well, what's the catalyst for it? What can, things can you use that to continue to improve?
2: Well, one thing I've I found uh, has helped me to embrace all the new goals because I've gone from a junior business analyst to the CFO of a company um, in not that long a time. I mean, a little over, I guess, 15 years. Um, I, I need to be able to recognize when I've taken a step up and, and, almost always what made you successful and able to take that step up is not going to be what makes you successful in the new role. Um, and so it's with great purpose. I mean, there, there's some, you know, books out there. One of my favorite books is, uh, uh the first 90 days. Um, and, and it goes into, you know, quite a lot of, of detail about how to assess, you know, your, your changing role and, and figure out, uh, a strategy to you know on purpose sort of reinvent yourself and make sure that you set yourself up for success but I mean that's the catalyst is usually I I step into a new uh, role or a new industry or but certainly when I step up into new responsibilities and I read a lot um, and I always I'm, I'm very genuine and I try to be very open with people that I am really good at a lot of things and I'm not good at some things
0: and I don't know everything, and I'm not
2: afraid to say that, but I can learn things very, very quickly. And that's that's basically what I do, is I'm, I'm comfortable acknowledging when I don't know something, and I go figure it out really quickly. Um, and I focus on what are the skills and the behaviors that I don't have a lot of practice with that are going to make me successful here, and I try and focus on how am I going to get those whether that's formal learning, whether that's books, whether that's talking to people, whether that's observing people, whether that's self-reflection and taking notes every day and, and reflecting on those at the end of the week, those are all tools that I use. Um, at the end of the day, if you're not constantly thinking about what's the next gap that you need to fix or close, um, you know, I, I think that uh, that you're not evolving appropriately, you know, to, to
1: yeah, you mentioned the first 90 days. I thought what book you were going to talk about is there's a the title of the book is "What Got You Here Won't Get You There" by Marshall Goldsmith.
2: Uh, it's a great yeah, yeah, book yeah. that's right on I'll, that topic too. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. 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 Um, it, speaking of of good books, that was going to be one of my next questions. Um, you mentioned the first 90 days. We just talked about Marshall Goldsmith's book. are there other books that you have said, hey, these are transforming books that I've read, or books that were really meaningful to me. Any recommendations that you have?
2: Yeah, sure. Kind of my my reading list. Um, you know, and and I've found that it depends. It depends on you know what what particular role and, and things like that. So some of the ones I don't know if they're still on your reading list, but uh, you know, I'll, I'll even come back to uh, occasionally. are the uh, uh, reengineering series by Michael Hammer. Those are those are great. Uh, there's a book, uh, Execution by Larry Bossidy and Ram Chara, and I actually got the chance to work at Ascend Performance Materials, which is actually uh, um, owned and led by um, Larry Bossidy's right-hand guy, so he's actually mentioned in that book. So I worked under the guys that actually developed that that theory and strategy, so that that was pretty interesting. You know, some of the... Just the, the novel ones about, uh, you know, moving the cheese and the iceberg mouth presence and some of those, I, I think those can be useful sometimes, um, you know, to, to be able to tell stories um, and get people uh, aligned. Um, I'm looking at my bookshelves here. Uh, you know, a couple of the others, uh, Leading Change and the Art of Change by Cotter um, are classic and, and pretty relevant. Um, you know, most people are going to have to deal with leading change and doing it well. Um, I'd say those those are the ones, but there's always uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. That's always one that I'll often give to people if I see them struggling with relationships and and how to interact with other people.
1: Yeah, just in case it was hard for the listeners to hear, uh, reengineering the corporation. Mm-hmm. by Hammer and Champy and then they had the uh, Beyond Reengineering with I think was a sequel of that execution by Larry Bossy and Ram Charan. My other favorite one that I like that's related to that by execution is uh uh um another one by Ram Charan it has to do with like corporate finance and the flow of books like the book is escaping me but basically anything oh I know what it is it's what every CEO wants you to know by Ram Charan very good book. Oh yeah. Yeah uh, yeah. uh whom who moved my cheese? I think that's Ken Blanchard. That's very good. Uh, Leading Change by Cotter, That's K O T T E R, I believe. And then How to Win Friends and Influence right. People. Those are some excellent books. So for our listeners wanting to augment their reading, um, those are those books. Plus the first 90 days and, and then Marshall Goldsmith's What Got You Here Won't Get You There. Um, what would you give? What advice would you give to other officers who are establishing themselves in business? Like they're in year two, year three um you you've already given some great advice in terms of you gotta mm-hmm. keep reinventing yourself you know go out read, network um you know admit things you don't know and go fill in those those gaps remember life is short, but is there any other advice you tell somebody that is really establishing themselves in business yeah
2: yeah, a couple other points you know and i already and I talked about kind of checking uniform at the door uh you know or or uh, you know, in, in Roger's words, uh, don't don't put all your memorabilia in your office. You know, don't 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 cling to the military past. But a couple of others um, find and cultivate a network of what I would call informal mentors. You, you may be in a company where you get the opportunity to have a formal mentor. Great, I mean that's fantastic, and take full advantage of that. Um, but what I've tried to do is find a variety of informal mentors, and those don't have to be um, you know the Uh, You know two or three levels above you kind of those could be peers They could be you know, but it's people who have unique skills experience knowledge or are good uh, sounding boards and willing sounding boards uh, That from time to time when you've got a difficult uh, Career decision to make or a challenge at work or something like that um, You you can reach out and informally uh, You know get get a second set of eyes or ears on the problem and, and get some objective advice from somebody who's not necessarily connected to exactly what you're doing. Um, it, it's been invaluable for me, uh, and I, I work very hard to, to try to have um, a whole bunch of people who I could reach out to if I need to.
1: Um, it doesn't need to be complicated. I know you have more advice no, to give, but no. it does, I just want to jump in. It doesn't need to be complicated. And I think that I was I personally made this whole mentoring thing complicated, and it had to be formal. Mm-hmm, yeah. like, as, as oh, no, really no, realized no. I, I don't. I'm I, yeah, for... I don't have
2: documents. Yeah, I don't. I
1: don't. I don't like
2: to have mentoring plans and all. That. You know, I, honestly, that that takes a lot of time, and I uh, I haven't found that I needed that. It's it's just a you know stay in touch with somebody a couple times a year. You know, Um,
1: that's that's exactly right. I just want to share a quick story because you know I travel a lot, and there's a um, and and I go to cities where there's people that I have relationships with, and sometimes most times I just don't make time to like go have coffee or on my way in or way out. And I said I'm just going to do better at that. And there's a person that I um, partnered with back in 2004 helped him make the transition. His name's Dave. He's been on the podcast. He works for a company called Assurian, and uh, um, I just. He's just a really good leader and developer mm-hmm. of people, and, and he's, um, although he's younger. I just said, you know, Dave, can we meet for coffee? So we met at the airport, had coffee for an hour. And it was just like that conversation just gave me more fuel to start the year. And I was like, gosh, why am I not doing that more often? Here's this guy's younger yeah. than me, somebody that I recruited to help make the transition. It doesn't mean that he can't be a mentor for me. In certain mm-hmm. areas of my professional life, and I think that I was making it more complicated. It needs to be somebody that's been 30 years in business. It's at this level. We got to talk once a month. It just doesn't need to be that complicated. Yeah, yeah.
2: Well, you want an example of somebody that I would consider a mentor of mine?
1: Chuck sure. Albert. Yeah. buck right. You
2: know, um, a lot of times we talk about you know I want to hire and what's the next conference and you know all those kinds of things. Um, but. Quite often, and and maybe more often, it's just, hey, Chuck, we haven't talked in six months or a year. You know, let's catch up. And and he's a great listener, and he's, every one of those conversations, even if I don't even have a specific agenda item, it's just by talking about what I'm working on, what I'm doing, Uh, you know, he he gives me great ideas or things I haven't thought of or a connection that somebody I should talk to. So, yeah, keep it simple
1: better fill in um, this gap because some people that some people that that the, when you're a, an officer out in the military you may not that's working with us or are curious of us may not know this Chuck's our CEO that's for the listeners Chuck's our CEO and works with our client companies and when John you came through he was um, he was heavily at that time heavily involved in the advice that you were getting in a sounding board in that transition and so he has just a great relationship with many many of our alumni and because you hired so many people from us at Ascend and Univar and Shell, uh, you have that, that relationship. So I just wanted to color that in for our listeners that may not know who Chuck is. Oh, yeah, I appreciate that. Keep, keep going um, with the, the other advice. I'm sorry I interrupted. Yeah, the
2: uh, sec- second one is, and, and these days I'm finding it's not as big a problem for today's generation, but get on LinkedIn way, way before you need it. Um, you know, my, I, I think in today's fast-paced global world, um, I, I'd like to say you're going to hire into a company at a conference and then that's it. You're going to be in that company for the rest of your career. And that may still be possible. And if that works out for you and that, that's what you're looking for, great. Um, I've seen probably the vast majority, though, don't end up staying at the same company and at some point need uh, a network uh, to be able to find a new opportunity. And often you can't predict when that's going to happen until it's almost upon you. Um, And I've seen too many folks uh, not have put in the work to build a great LinkedIn network and an active LinkedIn network uh, soon enough. So we'll do that. And it's not just for job changes, right? Um, I leverage my network all the time. It's how I find people to work for me. Uh, It's how I keep track of my informal mentors. It's how I keep track of various acquaintances and connections. It's how I, uh, you know, find ways to, just reach out quickly with a with a question or how are you doing or hey I thought something changed in your career I hope that's working out um, but don't be afraid of LinkedIn uh, and really link in with every single person you know that has any better kind of relevance in the business world uh, I'm approaching 3,000 connections now and I can't tell you how many times that's paid off um, whether it's helping me or being able to help somebody else in my network connect to somebody um, I just think that that's uh, that's an important thing for everybody in business
1: to do. Excellent, good. Well, John, as we wrap up the the podcast uh, and the conversation today, um, would you say that there's anything else that you would like to pass on or mention about your career, for whether it be officers that are currently working out there or military officers that are preparing for the transition or even thinking about that transition?
2: Yeah, you know. Always try to take advantage of opportunities to, um, to learn more about yourself and, and what uh, motivates you, whether it's, you know, formal personality tests and, you know, you've all heard of the, uh, you know, Meyer Springs and all those. But there's a variety of different ones. But, you know, opportunities to get 360-degree feedback and things like that because um, I'm often asked by people, you know, what, what career path in finance should I take? And, and my answer is always, well, that really, really depends, and it's going to take more than one conversation with me because I, I really need to know you. Um, and, and so the point is, know yourself. Know about, you know, are you introverted, extroverted? Do you really like to be the person who, like, uh, comes up with great ideas and passes them on to others to go implement? Or are you would you rather be the person that gets a great idea and gets to implement it? Uh, are you the person that wants to lead a lot of people, or do you want to lead important projects? Do you want to engage every day with new people, or would you rather work with a team of people that work very tightly together uh, day in and day out? You Know know yourself and get to know yourself and really think about who you are, because that's gonna help you make better career decisions. Now, if you're a JMO who's contemplating getting out, you know, thinking through all that, which Cameron Brooks helps you to do that, by the way, which is great. But, you know, really understanding yourself now uh, helps you make a good decision. But you're going to change over time. So, you know, for those who are already out, you may be a slightly different person than you were three, four, five years ago when you got out. Be able to recognize that and act on that. That would be my best advice. Because I've seen too many people who are 20 years out stuck in a rut and going, hmm. You know I, I'm, I'm a different person now but I'm kind of stuck in this other person's career and I don't know what to do now right so don't
1: don't get
2: yourself in that situation
1: that's right that's right and there's so many great tools you know yes our development program has that but there's the Myers-Briggs test there's uh, the disk profile there's lots of great tools out there that you can go online and, and do mm-hmm. those things um, John you've been great super insightful uh, sincerely appreciate you being uh, taking your time to be on the call with me today, and uh, thank you for all your support of Cameron Brooks and the military officers that have already made the transition. Because I know you're you're making an impact out there, and and uh, you still stay connected with many of them. And then all the people that you continue to talk to that are thinking about making the transition. So we we thank you here at Cameron Brooks as well.
2: Well, thank, thanks, to you, John, and thanks to Cameron Brooks as well. I mean, you, you guys have uh, been invaluable to me in my career. So um, happy to be able to to help out and be on uh, be on this podcast today. Thanks for the opportunity. All right.
1: Yes, thank you, John.